0: The following episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel, Bernie or Bust Television. Good morning, USA, and welcome to another episode of the Bernie or Bust Show. When should we require political commentators to show their tax returns? This tempest in a teapot may be bigger than a teapot can hold eventually. Sahil Habibi progressive voice on YouTube, whom I watch frequently, tweeted, more details on lefty sellouts. Monthly checks given to commentators by DNC. Kyle Kalinske, 20K a month. Sam Sater, 10K a month. David Dole, on the Dole? I'm, I'm questioning, I didn't say he was. 5K a month? Mike Figueroa, five k a month. Michael Brooks, three and a half k a month. Sahil says, "You still trust these guys? I have evidence of this." So we saw this on Twitter. It kind of blew up this morning, and we we've been following it. And it looks as though some people think of it as satire. Other people think Sahil is a shit stain. Other people think he's credible. And so satire, I think it's interesting that some people think it's satire. Like Sahil is cleverly trying to make us think that he's friends with all of these people and is just bothering them with this to be funny. Um, now they do know each other. Sahil knows these other commentators but and and they have been on each other's shows so it's possible i wouldn't rule it out but it's a strange kind of satire and how ironic it would be like double satire even if it turned out to be true one thing has come of the conversation this morning is that people are looking at uh these commentators who receive act blue help and they're saying well that's that's connected to the DNC very closely. So there's a problem. There's a possible conflict of interest there. So, anyway, the conversation has been going and it's been interesting. And at the end of this article that I wrote, why sh- or when should we require political commentators to show their tax returns? At the end of this article is a list of some of the people, some of the commentators that we should question. And it isn't that this came out of the blue, I've had reason to question, for example, Jenk Uger and Anna Kasparian and Emma Vigland, partly for how they've treated Tulsi Gabbard, but also how they've propped up sometimes Elizabeth Warren. And it makes me wonder. So here's a whole bunch of people that should all be asked, if not for their tax returns, then why are there potentially shady things happening, particularly sheepdogging? But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go to the beginning. I have a picture here, a mashup of um, Kyle and Sam and David and Mike and Michael asking the question that Sahil asked on Twitter. Sahil has, besides his YouTube account and Twitter account, I'm sure you can reach him on Facebook. I didn't look yet. But on on the two accounts I'm aware of, he predictably supports some public figures and denigrates others. That's what I do, too. That seems to be the pattern for all of the independent pundits that I follow. The stories he tells form a pattern over time that his followers can make sense of whether or not they agree. He makes it clear which political candidates and other political pundits he supports and why. In short, you can see where he's coming from and you can predict his take on future stories as they break. Like all citizens who involve themselves in the issues of the day, he notices when politicians and pundits say or do things that seem incongruous with the worldviews they espouse. Further, his followers would notice if he were to do or say incongruous things. We all look for patterns, and we are keenly aware of when there are breaks or inconsistencies in those patterns. must be a human thing. I bet animals do it, too. A case in point for me was when Jenk Uger consistently noted all of the glaring deficiencies in Hillary Clinton over the months leading up to the 2016 U.S. primaries, but then urged us all to vote for her in the general election after the establishment DNC cheated Bernie Sanders. As a progressive, I could see that his arguments previously had lined up with reasons that other progressives had put forward, to show that Clinton's values, stances, and behaviors were not progressive and thus not worthy of support. He also was able to make the case over time that corrupt Democrats and corrupt Republicans all answered to the same plutocratic owners. He had been an ardent critic of Wall Street crookery and showed how complicit Clinton had been in that same crookery. But then I started to dig in and look at different uh, past interviews with Cenk and other things that he'd said in print and out loud, verbally. And here's one with Breitbart. Jink. well, I think you guys would like this. I actually think the Democrats have become more pro-establishment than the Republicans. I think for as long as I've been alive, the Republicans have been more of an establishment party. But now it's the Democrats. And so Trump was able to beat the establishment on the right wing but Hillary Clinton won, and there is no more establishment candidate than Hillary Clinton. So, first point to note is that Jenk correctly identifies Hillary as an establishment candidate. Lee Stranahan asked Jenk if he wanted Hillary to win, and if he were worried about votes for Jill Stein. Lee. And is that something you're personally, is that something you're worried about? Because you're clear, you want Hillary to win, correct? Yes. Well, yes. So is that something you're concerned about? Are you concerned about, for example, Jill Stein being in the race? I'm not concerned about it. Everybody's got a right to be in the race, and I think it, it is a four-person race. And I think the media is going to start talking about it that way. And it's not my job to get people to vote for Hillary Clinton. But if I'm in a swing state, and Jill Stein is at low numbers, and it could make a difference... I'd vote for Clinton over Trump because I don't want Trump to be president under any circumstances. From my perspective, it was difficult to understand Jenks' position. After everything he had said, at least in public, to that point, I detected more than a whiff of incongruity. Although I know less famous people who put forward a similar argument in the aftermath of the 2016 Democratic primary debacle, they were not the staunch progressives that Jenk had purported himself to be. For someone who had positioned himself over many years to resist establishment politics, I assumed that he would fiercely advocate for someone like Jill Stein once Bernie Sanders dropped out. His willingness to talk to Breitbart did not put me off at all, nor did uh, Bernie Sanders' willingness to talk on Fox News in a town hall put me off at all. Some of Cenk's stances over the years have seemed almost conservative. He used to be a Republican. If he were honest, in public he would have to admit that he and Donald Trump actually agree on some things, although it's fair to say that Donald Trump does not intend to make good on most of his populist and nationalistic promises. But Trump did run, after all, on the planks of reversing the effects of NAFTA and bringing jobs back in the battleground states. My thought at the time was that Cenk was protesting too loudly when he could just as easily have made the case that warmongering Hillary in many ways would have been far more dangerous than Trump while being just as racist. Caitlin Johnstone has noted similar incongruities. She is one of the top five people on my pundit list for noting incongruities. When Jenk wanted Trump simultaneously to signal that he was not taking orders from Russia while also demanding that he escalate the conflict with Russia. But none of that is enough for these seething empire loyalists, including, and this should come as no surprise at this point if you've been paying attention, TYT boss Jank Uyghur. Throughout a panel segment titled Trump Silent After Putin Demonstrates Missile Attack on US, a reaction to the announcement of new advancements in Russia's nuclear arsenal, Uyghur is careful to assert over and over again that he is a progressive and does not want a war with Russia from one side of his mouth while towing the line of neoconservative center with the other side. So what is it that people are looking for? Uyghur rhetorically asked Katie Halper, the only progressive on the TYT panel to push back against the segment's overall hawkishness. (laughs) Katie, Katie, you're better off where you are now. We're looking for some sort of sign that Donald Trump is not in the tank for Russia. It's not because I want him to go to war with Russia. It's not because I want him to even create more hostilities or do any of the stupid tweets he does with North Korea. It's that I want to have some degree of certainty that he is not in the pocket of another country. Now, people might think that that's overblown. I don't think it's overblown at all. How many more signs are you asking for, Cenk? A nuclear strike on St. Petersburg? The U.S. and its allies are already dangerously close to a direct military confrontation with Russia along multiple fronts that are fraught with ongoing hot war conflicts. Things keep escalating on an increasingly frequent basis, and you want Trump to give you a sign that he's not on Russia's side? We shouldn't have to share a planet with these omnicidal propagandists. Well done, Kate. The establishment that Jenk equates with Hillary Clinton constantly screams about collusion with Russia. The establishment repeatedly tells us that there is no force for evil, other than Russia, greater than Donald Trump. Jenk has told us that the establishment is corrupt because it takes money from big corporations and that true progressives are not beholden to big corporations, especially when it comes to the corporations of the military, industrial, and prison industrial complexes. How could someone who decries establishment evil have voted in good conscience for Hillary Clinton and urged others to do the same when Jill Stein was still in the race? Follow the money. Politicians constantly are being asked to share their tax returns. Why? For reasonable arguments that Jenk himself has put forward on many occasions, notably in the announcement of his California congressional bid. You know what campaign donations are from big corporations and lobbyists? Bribes, Uyghur added. They're bribes when Republicans take them. They're also bribes when Democrats take them. I'm not going to take any of that. And I'm going to fight to get you guys higher wages and to get you health care that your family needs. But even though Jenk has pointed out on many occasions that when big corporations and lobbyists make a donation, they will always expect something in return, He fails to understand that this type of influence applies to everyone who receives any kind of donation. But Ben Shapiro understands. When you say money in politics is bad again, I ask you, Buddy Reamer gave you $4 million to start TYT. What did he expect in return? Should he not have given you money? Was the money not speech? It was just money after all. It's just like a hooker, I assume. So are you the prostitute? How did this work? And that's not the end of the story. WNDR Co., Jeffrey Katzenberg's mobile entertainment holding company, has made one of its first investments. It has taken a stake in TYT Network, one of the top online video political news networks. TYT Network, whose flagship show is The Young Turks, closed $20 million in funding led by growth equity firm 3L Capital with participation from Graycroft, e Ventures and WinderCo, Jeffrey Katzenberg. What might Katzenberg expect in return? For a start, it might behoove us to look at some of his background and connections, uh, courtesy of influencewatch.org. Jeffrey Katzenberg was born on December 21, 1950, in New York City, He is best known for producing Shrek, Shrek 2, and Chicken Run. Katzenberg is a donor to numerous center-left political candidates. In 2008 and 2012, Katzenberg endorsed Barack Obama. He endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016. Katzenberg started his production career at Paramount Pictures and then Walt Disney Studios. In 1994, he left Disney and founded DreamWorks, SKG, with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen. I've already made the case in this article, which is linked here. If you can't see me, then it's an article that's linked in the article I'm reading, so you can find it. For how Hollywood influence works in attempting to explain the flood of 2020 Democratic presidential contenders. But if you don't have time to read it, it would not be a stretch for you to assume collusion if you noticed how many actors and other thought leaders endorsed Hillary in 2016 and seemed to be center-left when judging by their political statements. But even if you do not assume collusion, it is no stretch at all to see how thought leaders, using the term creative artist's agency has coined to describe its stable of talent, are prone to the type of elitism that lines up well with our center-left establishment politicians and their corporate donors. This elitism is the hand inside the glove of the types of politicians and pundits who gain enough fame to become household names. This elitism is what allows the 1% to grow filthy rich while everyone else suffers because elitism believes that it is deserving of the spoils and plunder that come from being powerful or from sucking up to the powerful, which is where Jenk comes in. So what about my favorite lefty pundits? I've also noticed incongruities in other pundits who espouse progressive values and policies. The most difficult to rectify with progressivism is the tribalistic habit, probably born of elitism, of sheepdogging for political parties. As an example, It is incongruous for pundits to simultaneously decry neoliberalism while telling voters that they should vote for neoliberalism if it would otherwise mean throwing one's vote away, such as for a third-party candidacy like Jill Stein's. Seemingly sane and logical pundits will make all of the reasonable arguments for the position that both parties are corrupt and fail to look out for the interests of working people, and then turn right around and tell us to vote for a corporatist Democrat because, well, we can't let the Republicans win. Is there a way to make sense of this? Bernie or bust, Bernie or Trump. A glaring example of this type of incongruity has started to reveal itself with the issue of hashtag Bernie or bust. This electoral strategy was first advanced by Victor Tiffany and Patrick Walker. They wrote the book, which I've linked to, and was quickly embraced by thousands of disgruntled progressive voters who wanted to overcome the undemocratic influence of superdelegates. But Victor Tiffany is quick to point out that unrigging the DNC was not the original intention of the movement. The following is from personal correspondence with the author, me. It had nothing to do with that from our intention. That just happened to have come along and built other motivations for committing to vote progressive. Bernier Bust was always a line in the ideological sands, a punch against neoliberalism. It was an ideologically based revolutionary strategy to compel his, Bernie's, political revolution with leverage. The more the DNC fucked with Bernie's campaign, the more our strategy thrived. The problem with Bernie or bust was how many leftists and center leftists characterized its adherents as pugnacious and petulant. Some described Bernie or Busters as three-year-olds holding their breath unless they could have their own way. But the original intention was to make it clear to the establishment that voters were done with the lesser evilism that has ravaged the lives of the poor and hollowed out the middle class. Because of the way that pundits and other thought leaders have characterized the Bernie or Bust movement, it has been difficult to publicize the movement in the current election cycle. For that, and for other reasons, Bernie or Bust has morphed. Because of the recent discovery that Bernie or Trump Sanders supporters, many of whom voted directly for Donald Trump in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, were more than numerous enough to have guaranteed Clinton's defeat, and still are more than numerous enough to do it again, Victor and others are considering a new strategy for the Bernie or Bust movement. Quoting Victor, We don't need Bernie or Bust. I suspect we'll be more effective as activists' alarm sounders for the Bernie or Trumpers. Who else is speaking about them? Electability is with Bernie, and that's what we need to convey. If anything, Bernie or bust is the least of another candidate's problems. The biggest problem for any Democrat is the low unemployment rate, then overcoming the cheating, hacking, interstate cross-check opportunities, then the swing voters, then the progressive revolutionaries refusing to back the establishment, progressive, or bust. Then the hard leftists who would have voted for Bernie as a step in the right direction, (laughs) in the left direction. Then the anarchists who will vote for Bernie. All of them combined is less than the number of the young and of the poor, poorly educated voters for whom Sanders is the only candidate they'll back in November. End quote. Who else is speaking about them? Who indeed Victor has been in touch with many pollsters to verify that his conclusions about Bernie or Trump voters are based on sound statistical data, and pundits to let them know about the danger of not backing Bernie in the primary elections and caucuses. Because of Bernie or Trump voters alone, not to mention all of the categories mentioned above, there is no possibility that any other candidate running as a Democrat can defeat Trump. To be fair, Newsweek published the following two articles, but otherwise... To say that there has been a paucity of coverage would be an understatement. Bernie or bust is a warning, ignore it and Trump wins, is one Newsweek article. The other one is, Elizabeth Warren has 2020 momentum, but these Bernie Sanders supporters say they'll vote directly for Donald Trump if she's the nominee. So why should readers not insist on seeing tax returns from their favorite pundits, which is back to the point here. Again, Sahil's tweet, more details on lefty sellouts accusing Kyle Kalinske, Sam Cedar, David Dole, Mike Figueredo, and Michael Brooks of being on the take from the DNC. Might be via Act Blue. It's possible, if, if it's true at all. But if this January 6th 2020 tweet is verified, might it not explain the paucity of Bernie or Bust coverage in the current election cycle as compared to the last? If these pundits have nothing to hide, I would urge them to verify their income sources in the same way as do politicians. At any rate, with or without seeing their tax returns, I am inclined to trust my favorite pundits if, Number one, they don't try to sheepdog for corporate candidates, especially for faux progressives such as Elizabeth Warren, Norm Solomon, I'm talking to you. Number two, they are willing to point out the incongruities, conflicts of interest of their fellow pundits, even if they're friends. Number three, they are willing to demonstrate that they are not elitist when it comes to weighing the importance of evidence for or against a particular candidate idea, whether or not its source is well known. That's what the elitist pundits in mainstream media do. They will not accept truth if it doesn't come from a source that they have ordained as authoritative. YouTube is especially guilty of this. They have actually changed their algorithm to limit news from sources that are not, in their words, authoritative. Number four, they will report on the imminent danger because of ecocide, if for no other reason, of electing a corporate candidate, including Donald Trump, by not paying attention to and reporting on the phenomenon of Bernie or Trump voters in swing states. That would really help me believe that you're not in the pocket of the DNC if you would just report on that one thing. I don't see why you would not report on it if it's true, and it is true, Why? and, and nobody has said that it isn't. We've sent this message to lots of different pundits and. St- and uh, pollsters and nobody has told us it's not true why would they ignore this message if it is true it'd be like ignoring a hurricane that's about to sweep through your town number five they will not promote imperialistic wars or economic policies the way Cenk does The DNC machinery that supports TYT obviously does not want the information about Bernie or Trump voters to be known because they would much rather have Trump than Bernie. Because Bernie is a far greater threat to oligarchic power than is Trump. So if you lefty pundits want to prove that you are not beholden to the same donors that TYT, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg are beholden to, then either show your tax returns or demonstrate your loyalty to true progressivism in all of the above-mentioned ways, and many other ways, too. Feel free to leave a comment in the comments if you have other ways that you think that they should be showing their loyalty to true progressivism. If you pundits choose option number four, I can put you in touch with Victor Tiffany, assuming that you want to get your story straight. Lastly, almost lastly, Penultimately, read this if you are a famous actor. Here is an idea that some of the Bernie or Bust movement leaders have been tossing around. We need to persuade a famous actor to make a video using a solemn, if not panic-inducing tone that will make the following case. Here are five bullet points. History shows clearly how persuadable voters in swing states matter more in close elections than in blowouts, such as with Nixon versus McGovern. Bernie or bust revolutionaries are the least of another candidate's problems. The working class voters in swing states have abandoned the Democratic Party and only Bernie can swing them back to blue in 2020. And Bernie has by far the largest number of swing voter supporters who will vote directly for Trump if Sanders is not the nominee. And only Bernie has an army of volunteers, and because of them, Bernie would unite the Democratic Party far more than any other candidate can. Now, lastly, final plea. It probably goes without saying, but I urge you to share this story with your favorite pundits. Here are their tweets. I should say, here are their Twitter addresses. Feel free to add to this list in the comments. The Humanist Report, The Rational National, The Michael Brooks Show, Crystal Ball, Sagar and Jetty, Progressive Soapbox, Secular Talk, Joe Rogan Podcast, In These Times, Jacobin Mag, Current Affairs, Jimmy Dore, Truth Out, Truth Dig, Chris Hedges, Redacted Tonight, Garland Nixon, Mint Press News, Common Dreams, Chicago Tribune, Majority Report, Convo Couch, No Filter TYT, Jordan Cheriton, The Real News. Feel free to add to that list in the comments below. That's all I've got for today. I hope you will share this article broadly. It's linked below. And share this podcast or YouTube episode broadly, and keep on burning. The preceding episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel, Bernie or Bust Television.